So hi, welcome to Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with Kevin from Valley Heart. I'm asking some questions today about their upcoming album, Heal My Head. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to the announcement so far? Thank you. Uh, feeling really great about it. Yeah, really exciting. The album, the album is very good. I was listening to it earlier. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you. Good Noise Podcast approved. <laughs> that's, all, that's all we need. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Uh, yes, I would say for both. I think for the album title, um, it's the fourth song on the album, uh, Heal My Head. And the song was written before I think we decided to have the album called Heal My Head. Um, mm-hmm. But that title in itself sort of wrapped up a lot of the themes I think that we were, that I was going for lyrically on the album with um, struggles of time and, and the perception of time time and sort of how that relates to your sort of mood and mental state um so heal my head sort of was like a play on words of you know sort of heal my head but like the head of a clock as well which sort of ties into the album artwork um which was interesting it was a i grew up with my aunt she had a bird clock in her in her uh, kitchen and you know this album has lots of themes about spring and nature and healing and sort of rebirth happening after sort of death and and all these concepts and you know something that personified that were sort of the images of birds um but with the album also talking about time and trauma and sort of how those things all interlace this this cover was something that we built um with the designer to kind of portray all those themes that i was trying to get across lyrically in a not so on the nose way but in subtle ways with the clock the birds um, the hands of the clock, the wallpaper sort of signifying um, patterns, you know, that we might hold in our life or try to break as well. Um, so, yeah, it's all pretty, pretty integrated and and uh, and really excited how that all came out visually as well. For sure. Wow. It sounds like you worked really closely with the designer then. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw an image of a bird clock one day just online. I was just kind of I was on Pinterest. I was trying to find a cooler way to say that, but I was on Pinterest. <laughs> there's no shame and in Pinterest. There's no shame in, there used to be shame in Pinterest for me. Yes. Now I've let go of sort of any expectations. I love Pinterest. I make mood boards like every week. Fuck um, yes. So much fun. Fuck I've yes. missed out for so many years and I'm just, I'm free now. So I'm Good. fully happy to say that. So I was on Pinterest and I saw, I saw that like an image of a clock like that. And, and uh, it immediately sort of, clicked in my head of oh wow this is what i want so didn't want to use that image so went to the designer and we uh name is jordan butcher and we sort of built it together he got a clock and sort of made it its own thing got the wallpaper and and um yeah kind of developed a new idea from the inspiration from that other idea that's super perfect yeah Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album yeah um lyrically or musically or sort of all of the above all of the above above. yeah Mm -hmm. sure well this is our second record um and i would say the writing process for this one was a lot different than the first album um the first album was collaborative um but i think this one was even more so uh especially in the recording process so we have our producer, Kevin Billingsley. I co-produced with him and also co-engineered and then co-mixed together. We sort of, I'm in Montreal, Canada right now, and he's in Maine. And we use this program that sort of lets you 
stream audio from within your recording session in real time. Um, so we sort of, he did a lot of the like bare bone mixing and then we would get on the phone or get on this app and, and sort of mix together. So it felt really integrative. It felt really collaborative. Um, mm -hmm. We started writing it together as a band in early 2020. Um, and then I started writing some of these songs before that, but I think we really started to hit it during the pandemic, like of many artists, this is sort of a creation of a pandemic record. Um, yeah, I had gotten stuck in Peru, uh, March of 2020. And oh. yeah, so we, it was sort of a situation where my fiance, well, my wife now and I uh, went there and didn't know it was, you know, COVID was going to get Mm -hmm. you know, the way it did the second week of March in 2020 and yeah. uh, got stuck for a month there. But that's another story for another day. That's but nuts. I ended up writing a lot of the sort of initial lyrics for this album there in sort of that time of isolation, that time of reflection and that time of a lot of sort of uh, panic, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, so that sort of sparked a lot of especially the first song, The Record Birth, was um sort of tying that 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 trip into how that all played in on the record and then we we met up and practiced and wrote a whole lot there from there on i did a lot of the like demos on my own i usually sort of bring a concept of a demo um but actually there are some songs in this album that there were no demos for at all there it was just sort of written on the spot so the album's kind of a mixture of sort of me mapping out a pretty finished demo even having elements of what would end up on the record to other songs just writing from scratch with the group of guys so it felt really really cool to have that diversity mm -hmm. where it wasn't just all of the things on my hard drive that i was just bringing to the guys and they were sort of rearranging but it was a, a mix of a bit of both of sort of buildings from the ground up and then having other people come in and revise and rearrange sure I know it's not directly related to the music, but we, we've spoken obviously to a lot of people, some that were like, had to rush home from tour during the pandemic, but no one that got stuck in a different country at the beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like, can we talk about that a little bit? Like what you were feeling, like the, just kind of what went on there? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Um, it was an insane experience unlike anything I've ever gone through before. Um, we had been there for a few days this was the second week of march when things started closing down borders started closing and um so to elaborate a bit further into the story we had we were in a town called cusco in peru mm -hmm. and we were traveling up to see machu picchu which is one of the seven wonders of the world yep. and on our way up you know it's kind of hard to explain but there's like a train you have to take there's no real way you could drive there it's sort of a lot of commuting you had to do to get there we were about an hour away from Machu Picchu, we were going to stay at a hotel that night and the whole country closed down. And um, actually, funny connection to Valley Heart there is that the way I found out about the country closing sort of before everyone else that a Valley Heart fan from Peru sent me a DM and said, hey, saw that you're in Peru on Instagram. You should know that it's not really announced publicly yet, but as of tomorrow morning, the whole country is going to shut down, including the, the airports. And I remember specifically remember reading that text on this one of the most beautiful uh, train rides through the Andes and sort of this dark dismal feeling befalling upon me mm -hmm. of like, oh wow, this is gonna be an interesting ride. And uh, sure enough, it was sort of a struggle to get from that mountaintop back down to Cusco where all our stuff was. And, and then from there forward, we stayed about, we got stuck for about another three weeks there and ended up taking a rescue government flight home. Um, luckily we found lodging, we, we struggled a bit at first and it was sort of a bit of a panic but we ended up finding lodging 
And my wife is from Canada and I'm from the States. So we had to actually take two different flights. Um, so it was, it was a sort of a very, very crazy time, but I think how we, we often talk about it, it was at the moment, such a time of panic in the beginning, but looking back, there was sort of a, a helplessness about the situation that provided this weird piece of whatever, like we are in this situation. There is no negotiating our way out of it. There's just sort of waiting because there was a whole period there we were just waiting for our flights to arrive. Mm -hmm. And there was sort of this, you have to accept that you are not in control of the situation, which seems to be a common theme for life, right? Of, of yeah. There are certain things that life throws at you, whether it's death or grief or heartbreak or you know, some things that come along where you're like, wow, okay, like I have to go through this. There's no going around this. Um, so I think that situation was sort of a microcosm of that concept and definitely something that inspired and I pulled from when writing the record. That's so nuts. And like, it's super crazy that like you found that out where you're going to see one of the seven wonders of the world. And it's like supposed to be some really cool experience. And you're like, well, yeah. shit, we're not leaving. So that really right. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And we didn't get to see it. Our, our trip, the excursion was at 5 a.m. that morning. We arrived at 11 and we were the last excur excursion that was canceled. Like, Ed, like the one before us had gone. Like we were almost there. We always <sighs> joke that we have to go back and redeem our, our trip. <laughs> Hopefully the world doesn't shut down that time. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so to switch back to the record, uh, yes. I want you to tell us your favorite lyric off this album and the meaning behind it. Hmm. I think I'll have to go with the first song, Birth. Um, uh, when I return to my birth, my body spread out in the earth with fingers like roots on a seed, tears of my brothers watering me. Um, I don't have any brothers, <laughs> but I sort of metaphorically thought of all my friends and, and the people that I've shared life with, right? Because that's what family is and, mm -hmm. and friendship is some weird extension of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I grew up with a pretty close group of, of, of guys and, and I think of them as my brothers. And when I wrote that lyric, I was sort of thinking back on at the end of life, what, what will be the memories and sort of the, the, the moments that we'll hold together and, and how will that help grow the next sort of generation coming along. So that's, that's a lyric I, I feel very sort of emotionally attached to. I feel like that with a lot of them or all of them, but that one specifically. It's a very good That's lyric. Good. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so how did the track list for the album come about? Did you guys write the opener be the opener, closer be the closer? Did you shuffle around, see what fits? What was that process like? Ooh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, no, not at all. The first song, Birth, was actually the last song up until very, very far into the, uh, the mixing process. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was completely rearranged. So actually track eight, um, warning signs was the first song mm -hmm. and that went into I think back and forth so it was like track uh, no no warning signs is track track eight I think yes track eight track eight into track nine were um, no no track eight was number one and then the last song was uh, so the first song was the last song so we decided that you know it'd be really cool to start an album um, after listening to how everything had turned out recording wise, uh, the last, last song, the days into 626 felt like a great closer. And 
we didn't want to sort of slow it down again. That just felt like perfect as it was. And then birth, which was supposed to be this sort of breath of fresh air after the whole album felt really great in the beginning to sort of actually introduce the album. So it was really, really cool to contextualize something for like two years in your head and then be like, wait, what if we like, you know, took the last chapter of the book and we put it to the first chapter and like, how does that change the story? Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to see how that all interacted. And I think it worked out for the better for sure. That's super cool. So wait, like when you, when you guys are working on an album, you guys have the track list order before like the the record is fully mastered. I have the track listing mapped out pretty in advance. Okay. I, I've, I've always written like that um, when writing an album. Uh, I mean, not, I don't write it like the, I play a song, cool, that's a track four or track five. But mm-hmm. once the songs are all kind of done and we're sort of in that pre production headspace, I think it's really important to start putting those pieces together because I think it makes a huge difference in how a record flows and how the songs interact and where certain lyrics can hit if they reference other lyrics. Mm-hmm. So I would say pretty, um, I would say like six months before, once all the songs were written, I was already thinking about the track listing. Okay. Wow. We've never heard that before. Yeah. Usually it's just like, you know, we shuffled around when we got the masters and yeah. that was the end of that. So. No, I think it, I think it tells a story, right? Some of my favorite albums ever are, are how the songs go inside the other song and, and, mm-hmm how the emotion like rises and falls and all those little dynamics of songwriting and, and all that stuff. So I, I love that stuff and try to be pretty intentional about it. I like that. That's good. Love to hear it. Yeah. So yeah. would you be able to tell us where Headspace is at while you're creating this record? Oh, wow. Okay. Another good one. Another heavy one. Yes. Um, well, like I mentioned, this was a record that we primarily wrote, um, and recorded during 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us went through some pretty heavy doses of self-reflection during that time. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't say I'm exempt from any of that. So it was uh, in a place of processing a lot of life and, and things that have happened in, in my life. And I think our lives, we had a lot of conversations as a band as well. Um, so I, I would say it was pretty rooted in understanding identity community again and 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 faith levels of faith i don't think this album is necessarily um our first album seems to have resonated with a lot of people who who grew up in the church um which i i did myself um and this album wasn't sort of to talk about that again it was sort of sort of moving towards a new direction but i think a lot of it has to do with faith not in the traditional way of like talking about God or church, but in a way of where do you place your hope when life seems to be turning on its head? And how do you arrive at those conclusions when you realize you don't have control over your situation and all these things? So um, I think it was in a pretty reflective headspace and one that was, um, I was thinking a lot, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was listening to Alan Watts a lot, if you guys are familiar, but listening to like a whole lot of stuff and trying to really find inspiration and and find sort of wisdom beyond myself as well. So that's very nice. I like, I like how you didn't just kind of say, this is just about, you know, religious faith. It's just kind of like whatever in your time of need, whatever you look at and say, this is what I'm going to put my faith in. I, I personally, I, I like that a lot. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it's funny. I don't even see it as that distinction, right? Where it's like, I don't think one is more valid than the other. I think mm-hmm. everyone is, is really trying to figure, figure that out. And yeah. I think you, you're spot on. It's like, it means something to all of us because no matter what, we're all, whether we know it or not doing, doing that. Right. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? Should they do it in the car with friends, in the dark with headphones on? Is it a workout album, party album? What do you personally recommend? Ooh, that's a good question. This is probably the hardest question you've asked so far because I am a strong believer of sort of the outside situations of records defining the internal experience. Mm -hmm. So like certain records I listened to when I was, traveling abroad or something and that record now feels like the whatever region that was in right so yeah. i think it could be multifaceted where it could be a record that you're you're in a season of life where you're just like you know having fun and want to just to sort of scratch the surface i think it it allows for that which i'm really excited for that too where there's depth to this album but it also i think some of the songs just are fun they feel good they they jam and you can sort of listen to it um, surface level, but if you also want to dig deeper, um, I think it beckons you and I think it calls you to, to dig deeper. So I would say all of the above. Like, I, I really can't think of a situation where, I mean, obviously there are situations where, you know, you don't want to blast it on your phone while you're in the library, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, I think it could work in a lot of different situations. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this one should be super, super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words. No more, no less. Together. Mm-hmm. Time. Mm-hmm. And hope. Oh. I like that. Those are I was perfect. hoping you would keep with the tea theme. That would uh, be really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex. There you go. And can you tell us what the fuck that means? (laughs) (laughs) That one, that one's on your own. You gotta. That's the 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 premiere. You gotta like pay for that one. There you go. That's fair. (laughs) Um, So in the same train of thought, but with not as much pressure, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album? No, I don't think there is. I I think I. I'm just curious. I'm more curious about what will like what people will feel i don't know it's like sort of guessing the unguessable right Mm -hmm. where it's like i know what it feels for me because i wrote it so it's a very different perspective but i don't i kind of just want people to sit with it and i guess i hope it provides a language for people to talk about their life their losses and their journey so so uh, like i'm because obviously writing this conversation before the record comes out so like Mm. i'm I'm assuming like if the record route we were having the same conversation maybe you'd have like more of a baseline as like what you want people to feel because you've seen the reception to it sure yeah yeah i guess so yeah but i also still think that everyone i know it's great music is so crazy right where it could mean something so profound or sad to someone for someone else it could be this joyful album that just reminds them of the best of time so Mm there's really, I guess, no telling. It feels sort of out of my control, but I guess I at least want people to connect with it and to be able to find um, inspiration and and sort of hope to talk about things that maybe that we don't talk enough about, um, whether that be mental health and and, and suicide and darkness and vulnerability. Um, I think that is definitely a huge goal to just get people talking. Hell yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 
so what is your favorite memory that you made while creating this album? Ooh, favorite memory? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was during the writing process, uh, for sure, where we would sort of meet up and uh, grab our instruments and just, just write. And we had a friend, uh, we have a friend who his dad um, had a basement that he let us practice in. And we would set up every couple couple days a week and just work on the songs. And it was really cool just to see them come to life. And we have endless voice memos and demos. And I think looking back on that time, there's a very profound f- sort of fondness for those memories and so many things in the recording process as well. But there's something really special about sort of getting in a room and, and having this album come to life from the beginning. Hell yes. For sure. I like God, that. It sounds, that's good. Um, yeah. So picture this, you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. Mm. What is your snack of choice? Pretzels, without a doubt. That was easy. Hell yes. Pretzels? I'm, okay. I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm known for, I'm the pretzel guy. Like I, I'm the guy that they're like, oh, Kev's the pretzel guy. Like he just loves pretzels. So that, any, anyone in my life could have answered that question faster than I could have for you. <laughs> and just, just an FYI, we are moving into the food portion of the interview now. Oh, we, we do like food here. We got a couple questions it. about food. I love it. I love food too. Hell yes. I would, I would like you to specify what type of pretzels are. are we talking about like soft pretzels, crunchy pretzels, the little rods, the, the, the nibs. What are you talking about? I'm kind of a, I'm a lover of all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could rock with the soft one. And then, you know, as for the heart, like I love the smart pretzels, like the healthy ones too. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm just, I like love the concept for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just, my, my dad grew me up on them. I kind of chilled out a little bit. They were, they were, they were getting a little too, they were drying me out. They were like mm-hmm. salty. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And at one point in my life, I was like, why am I always so thirsty all the time? I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So I started drinking more water and cut down on the on the snacking a whole lot and has really helped my health. So, I mean, but I will not pass up a chance at a convenience store gas station to uh, to snack some pretzels. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Have you ever made your own pretzels? You know what? I haven't. That's you such should. a, that's such a so gory easy. question. That no, no, no. Wow. I'm just saying it's like it's really easy. And if you love pretzels that much, I think you should really you should really try because then you All just right. have unlimited pretzels. That's right. That sounds dangerous, but you're right. I, I, how can I be a fan if I'm not a creator? I'm just sort of a lazy consumer at that point. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, so on the topic of food, if the band was a dish, what dish would the band be? Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Band was a dish. Trying to think of something. I don't want to say pizza. That's I'm sure you. Yeah, I know. We do get that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a good cop out answer because like I know I don't don't want to do it. There's a way to like spin it so that it makes sense. Right. If your entire band hates pizza, yeah, like it's perfect. Toppings. Yeah. You know, we're a little cheesy. Exactly. (laughs) You get it. You get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't want to go that route though, huh? Now I'm just struggling to think of dishes in general. All I can think about is pizza and pretzels. <laughs> You're going to wind up going with the pop-out answer. I'm just at a gas station looking at the sort of frozen spinning thing of pretzels and pizza. Like, that's all I oh can God. see right now. Oi, get out, get out. All right, get out, get out. All right, um, we're going to a fancy fucking restaurant. Nicest exactly. restaurant fancy in town. Restaurant. Exactly. Well, looking at the menu, what are you? Well, I'm pescatarian and Zach is vegetarian and Chris is not. So we're definitely not, like, meat-based. No. Um... So there's that. Um, 
We love the pasta, but mm. also we're, you know what I'd say, you know what I'd say? We're a, we're a quinoa bowl with some salmon. Salmon. We're Ooh. a quinoa bowl with some salmon. Yeah, quinoa bowl with some salmon. That's good. Yeah, I, we you know the salmon is because we we're from Boston. We live near the ocean. You know we got that sort of marine time vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, quinoa bowls because we we love to eat some good some good whole whole grain stuff. So quinoa yeah. is extremely underrated. Should yeah, be so good. Love it. Love yeah. it. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, so for the last couple of questions, we're going to shift completely away from music and the band and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Whoa. All right. Now I'm sort of thinking of combining all my answers. So like a, oh. a quinoa bowl with sprinkled pretzels. Um, Ooh, okay. What would my last meal be? Well, mm-hmm. I think it would be lobster. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I think it would be a lobster with the side of my mom's rice and bean cooking. Um, and that's really a weird combo, but I love seafood. I love lobsters, probably one of my favorite meals. Um, but also my mom is a great cook and she's she's Brazilian. So she cooks like illest rice and beans. Mm-hmm. Um, so like an odd combination of, of lobster and probably my mom's rice and beans. That's good. Oh yeah. And your drink? Wow. A drink. Mm-hmm. Oh man. This is going to sound so meta, but I, I feel like I would want a, like a nice cold glass of water. That's fair oh, enough. That's good. Yeah. You know, I feel, I feel like I would have a moment where I'm like, I need to give my body back what is it's made of, you know, mm-hmm. like I need to t- sort of end this story with where I came from. I know it sounds, this is turning, <laughs> this is, oh God, please edit this out. This is so bad. But in no, my mind, it, it makes it sense. It's, it's like water. That's all. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, there's nothing. The beginning I of life, man beginning of life and now it's the end of my life you know exactly sort of, that's go. what it would be yeah yeah all right perfect love yeah. it yeah. <laughs> so if you could live in one fictional world for a week where would you live Ooh. okay mm-hmm. uh movie slash literature yeah comic book anything. Movie. anything that doesn't exist that you want to live in exactly any world world um it's gonna be a pretty nerdy answer okay but i oh man this is just the first one that comes to mind. I don't know if this was sort of my final choice. I, I think I, I would have to think about this a lot, but I'd say Kingdom Hearts. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to love that growing up and, and I don't know, always had like a fantasy ever since I was a kid, like traveling in the world of Kingdom Hearts and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. That's a perfect answer. Waiting yeah. for a DM later to be like, I take that fucking answer back. That's actually this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had the honor of asking the last question and every single person that we spoke to has said that it is the most important question. Mm. What's your favorite color? Favorite color is blue. Pacific shade? Mm. Uh, no, all shades. Fair enough. Perfect. All, right. all shades. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? No. I uh, just wanted to thank you all for, for having me on here. Of course. Really of course. Fun. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for now. This has been Kevin from Valley Heart, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.